What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode six, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Cold Lazarus. You can find us. Yay! You can find us on Google Play Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, And the super clever among you can even subscribe directly to our feed. Uh, Rate us. Review us. Give us all the stars. If it has five, give us five. If it has seven, give us seven. We will love you if you if you give us ratings. Um, and you know that you want that. You you do. And it also makes it easier for people to find us. Yes. If you love us, then they'll love us too. Five star <laughs> ratings will get us there. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. That is W A L K I N G T H R O U G H T H E S T A R G A T E at gmail.com. And. I want to give a special shout out to Joey. Thanks, Joey. We got an email yeah, from Joey. Thanks, Joey. Somebody's listening. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that Joey asked is, uh, when are you putting out a new podcast? And so I figured uh, I would just take a moment to say this. Uh, uh, we've got really busy lives, and we love this. And, you know, if you start paying us, we'll do it more <laughs> often. But right now, we can do it as often as we can. Uh, so about every two weeks is when yeah. we record, and so they will get released about every yep. two weeks this is gonna be one of those slow uh, burn and, podcasts uh, you're it's gonna you're gonna savor each episode maybe listen to it a few times yep. yeah yep yep so um that's our uh plan so with that uh brent shall we move on to some background facts yeah let's do it all right so uh, this episode cold lazarus is directed by kenneth j girardi uh, this is his first episode uh, that he directed for Stargate SG-1. Uh-huh. Uh, he directed a total of three episodes, but we will have to wait until the ninth season uh, before we see his name again. Wow, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, huh. I don't know that history yeah, about that. Yeah, so, that's interesting. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, he did direct a couple episodes of Stargate Atlantis, and I don't know where those fall. Uh, the writer of this episode is Jeff F. King. Uh, that's not a mouthful at Jeff all. King, Jeff, Jeff King. F. King. King. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is also his first uh, of three writing credits for SG-1. Yeah. All of his writing credits, though, are in this first season mm-hmm. of SG-1. So we'll see his name a couple more times uh, this season, and then he will disappear a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the original air date of uh, Cold Lazarus is August 29, 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, Bill Clinton was still the president of the United States. Still. Uh, in that special week of August, people in the U.S. were listening to Mo Money, Mo Problems by the tor- notorious... Uh, I don't listen to a lot of music. Is that big or is that B.I.G.? It's B.I.G. It's notorious B.I.G. The notorious B.I.G. So... So yep. uh, in UK, they'll be listening. They were listening to "I'll Be Missing You" by Puff Daddy and Faith Evans. Oh, I can't remember when. So, so to give you a little background here, Zach, uh, uh, Biggie, Biggie Smalls, Notorious B.I.G. was shot down. I can't even remember where he was shot down. And uh, I think that he and Puff Daddy were like you know friends 
Was the, yeah, I think oh. the I'll Be Missing You song by, I thought it was like it had to do with, with the Notorious B.I.G. And yeah, so I think that these, I think that these two things are, are a bit more related than one might think. Now there's somebody oh, cool. out there who's going to email me and let me know exactly how I got all of that wrong. Well, we would appreciate that email. <laughs> and if you do, you might just hear us make mention of it yeah. in a future podcast. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Boogie Nights, directed yeah. by Paul Thomas Anderson, was one of the most viewed movies released in 1997. Yeah, most viewed. I never saw that movie. Uh, it's a movie. So, yeah. It's a movie. Uh, and those of you who are fans of Terminator will know that August 29, 1997 is Judgment Day. Yeah, sorry. Had to. Sorry. All right. <laughs> So, uh, Skynet <clears throat> takes over the world on this day. It's um, been doing a pretty crummy job, I gotta tell you. Yeah. I mean... It, it, it's been subtle. It, yeah. <laughs> 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 human, it didn't want to human, tip his hand. Yeah, human, humankind downfall. It, it, it's, talk about a slow burn, man. That's one you, that, you gotta save her there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, we right. thought it was going to be nuclear annihilation and uh, and robots, uh, you know, and it turns out it's, uh, you know, two day delivery and, uh, um, you know, frappuccinos. I don't know. Anyway, there you go. You know, well, I think Skynet is just waiting for us to destroy the planet ourselves. Oh, I see. I see a little matrix matrix yeah. action. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So let's dig into the plot synopsis for cold Lazarus. Tell me this about it. This is once again from uh, Stargate Command Wiki. On an exploratory mission of P3X562, SG-1 finds a strange planet of unreal bright yellow sand dunes littered with smashed blue crystals. None appear to be intact. Colonel Jack O'Neill goes off to explore out of eye shot of the rest of the team. When he does so, he encounters a blue crystal that hasn't been smashed, and staring into it, he tentatively reaches toward it. Suddenly, it blasts him backwards, leaving Jack lying on the sand unconscious. Instantly, a replica of him is standing over him, apparently manifested by the blue crystal, or transformed from the blue crystal. Captain Samantha Carter calls for Jack to return through the Stargate, and the replica... Crystal Jack uh, goes, leaving the unconscious and real flesh and blood <laughs> Jack behind. That's uh, good. Crystal, Crystal Jack. All right. Carry on. Sorry. Crystal Jack. Yeah. Uh, so a uh, little hint here. I've been a really busy day and I haven't had a chance to read this. And so uh, I held it together, but Brent didn't <laughs> on reading Crystal Jack. Crystal Jack. <laughs> Crystal Jack. All right. So back on Earth, Crystal Jack does not appear to be hostile and seems to have a purpose that it doesn't even quite know itself. It seems confused, but focused. No one else on the base works out that he is not the real Jack. He leaves the base that day and returns to the home he left many months ago. This was where he lived with his wife, Sarah, and their son, Charlie. Charlie killed himself accidentally using Jack's gun, and Jack never forgave himself for it. He and Sarah split up. Crystal Jack now returns to the to this house and speaks to Sarah. She is shocked to see him. 
Crystal Jack asks to see Charlie, and Sarah asks him if this is his kind of a sick joke, but it is obviously not. She runs back inside the house upset. Crystal Jack is invited in by Sarah's father and allowed to look around Charlie's old room. He has flashbacks of the love that used to permeate the house as he nestles himself amongst Charlie's belongings. Sarah finds him crying in the room. Jack and Sarah talk for a while and later go to a park where they sit and continue their conversation. Sarah seems to wish that Crystal Jack would say he wants to get back together, but they are still both very upset about the death of their son. At this moment, Crystal Jack suddenly falls to the ground, bolts of blue electrical energy arcing from him into the ground and the bench. Meanwhile, back at Stargate Command, Carter analyzes the smashed crystals they brought back, and she and Teal'c confirm that the damage was done by Guawuld staff weapons. One of the more intact crystals suddenly speaks to her, assuming a human face shape for a moment. They realize that the crystals are a strange alien race that must have been destroyed by the Guawuld. This explains the initial reaction to Jack, blasting him away, as humans and Guawulds are alike in form. The crystal using Carter's face explains that their race is composed of energy. They call themselves the Unity, and relate the tale of how once a Jaffa was killed by accident by one of them, and the Guawuld, in revenge, gathered all the crystal unity together and slaughtered them. It also warns them that they are running out of energy now that they are on Earth, away from their planet. And when they do, there may be a dangerous radioactive reaction. At that moment, the real Jack O'Neill returns from the planet having awoken, and they all realize that the other one, Crystal Jack, must have been a crystal like this one. The SGC is immediately searched, and they discover that he has left the base. Sarah has taken Crystal Jack to the hospital. She is tending to him when he bursts in out in electricity again, and the hospital is cleared. SG-1 and the police arrive and evacuate the area. Ionizing particle radiation is reaching dangerous levels. Sarah has a very confusing moment as the, as the real Jack runs past her into the building, and she is led out. Once inside, SG-1 finds Crystal Jack slumped in a corner, dying. Crystal Jack explains that he was able to see into Jack's memories and thoughts, and after incapacitating him, saw that he was not Guawuld. He wanted to help Jack get better, so he searched for Jack's pain and found the death of Charlie in his memories to be a far greater pain than any physical one. Crystal Jack thought that if he could somehow bring Charlie to Jack, then he would get better, but he didn't understand the concept of permanent death of humans because there is no permanent death amongst the unity. Jack replies that Charlie is gone. But Crystal Jack dis disagrees, saying that Charlie is always with Jack and touches his chest over his heart, and at that moment, he changes into an identical duplicate of Charlie. It is a very emotional moment as Jack sees his son again. They now have to take Crystal Charlie out of the place. Jack walks him out, and Sarah can't believe her eyes. Jack explains it's not really Charlie, but they hug each other and whisper that they were pretty great together. The greatest, in fact. 
Lastly, Crystal Charlie is brought back to the SGC, and he, along with the rest of his crystalline race, is to be returned to his planet so that he won't die. Jack walks him up the ramp to the open Stargate, and they step through together. The end. The end. And that is Hmm. Cold Lazarus. Cold Lazarus has nothing to do with chicken soup for the soul. Well, no, probably plenty to do with chicken soup for the soul, but not chicken soup. Not chicken soup. No. Uh, A couple of uh, notes here uh, that I wanted to toss out before we really get digging in here. Uh, apparently in the movie, his son was actually Tyler O'Neill, and they changed it to Charlie for hmm. this. Not sure why, but they did that. Hmm. Um, and the alien, uh, the yellow sand dunes are actually one of two massive sulfur stockpiles at the port oh, of Vancouver. Oh, okay. okay. Five million tons of elemental sulfur go through Vancouver each year. Oof. And the blue crystals are almost the exact color and clarity of hydrated copper sulfate crystals. Interesting, so, but boy, there's a couple of trivia questions. Must have been a heck you. of a smell. Uh, <laughs> so I got a plan. So, so we're going to go on location. Uh huh. And you're going to love it. I like it's just outside I like of Vancouver. Ooh, there's so nice. Uh, bright sandy beaches of yeah. sulfur there's no water by the way yeah salt wait what <laughs> oh no you, you'll be fine um you know it won't hurt you um but we're gonna have yeah, a whole day of shooting here so i get to stand in a sulfur sand dune all day yeah oh and, and i'm getting paid how much worry. for this uh, uh richard uh you actually get to uh lie down oh even this. better. Yeah. So I get to smell sulfur in my hair for the next three days. Perfect. <laughs> I'm glad we Let's have get a on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, but wait a minute. You said, uh, if I'm remembering right, yeah, this um, Stargate was filmed in Vancouver. Is that right? The TV uh, show? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was like right out, right outside of the sound stage. So they stage didn't or go far yeah. for this. No. Oh, no. duh. Man, now that I'm thinking about it, like all of the locations have been... Like, that seems pretty Pacific Northwest, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. This might be one of the shows that really started to develop the Vancouver area as Mm. a place to shoot Mm -hmm. uh, television. Hmm. Um, I'm not certain exactly when Vancouver uh, started right. to really get that, but this has got to be close to the beginning of that. Well, BSG shot there, and so the miniseries for BSG was what, 2003? Yeah, and something like that. I think they started doing their mainline show a couple of years after that, I mean, which is not a long time after 97. Right, you know? but this is certainly before that. Um, yeah. Um, you know, things like... Arrow and that whole Arrowverse shoots all up there. Smallville did. Smallville would hmm. have been about this time. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, when did Smallville? Smallville started. Yeah, it started about this time. Uh, yeah. I was in uh, college, I think. I don't think it started when I was in high school. Uh, so that would have been right about this time. Uh, but the real here. question is: oh, yeah. Did anybody? Did anybody else shoot in that sulfur pile? <laughs> I think no, that's the real question. Everybody else was wise enough to stay away. <laughs> uh, so uh, apparently, if you look through uh, O'Neill's stuff, you know, like when Crystal Jack is looking through his stuff, uh, they mm-hmm. find the cigar box. There's an envelope that shows his ex-wife address. 
Yes. And I was noticing that. 842 Cranbrook Brook Lane, Winter Park, Colorado, yeah. 80310. Yeah. I was thinking about looking that up. Is that, a, is that a real place? I don't know. I haven't looked it up. Oh, okay. I'll look it up later. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, Brent, uh, tell me what you thought of Cold Lazarus. Cult, yeah. So I last week said that I was really excited to see this one because I usually like episodes that tell me a bit more about this, uh, the background of those of the characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is no exception. Asterisk. Uh, this was definitely pretty high up on the cheese factor. Yeah. Um, but I still was enjoying some of this emotional connection stuff, like uh, especially because it's a storyline um, involving a child. I have a child. And so it, there was a piece that I had not really expected to click into. Um, but then that also ended up coloring my opinion about what actions were being taken by the different characters relating to that child. And so it, it ended up kind of like cutting two ways where I was susceptible to the hook. Uh, but then I started to grow critical about what, what a person would be doing in this type of a situation. So, um, but that said, like uh, I, I was really pleased to be getting this little um, glimpse into the emotional complexity of Jack O'Neill. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was nice. And I think that Richard Dean Anderson played it pretty well. Um, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't have to, uh, <laughs> luckily the, I don't know if this was the case in the script or not, but he certainly played the crystal. He certainly played crystal Jack, uh, crystal with Jack. this crystal Jack with this level of like cold detachment, mm. coldish, definitely detached you know yeah uh, as as the synopsis was saying definitely motivated i mean it wasn't like he didn't care but on the same token it was very like oh yeah well wait a minute i forgot about that one scene where where um crystal jack was uh almost crying in uh charlie's bedroom where sarah was like walking by and uh didn't or like you know basically stumbles on him and you know and she mentions it like you know i thought you were about to cry in there you know like that was that that yeah there was definitely some some heavier sighs coming out of me in the good way um yeah as as the episode was progressing but anyway i liked i like that part i like that stuff did you have anything that was particularly Um, like yeah i like that you know this is just an episode that it's a really, really good story. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the whole things about the crystal entities and all that is it's a, it's cheesy. Uh, and, and it's it's a tool used to do two things. One, to uh, introduce a sci-fi element way to for Jack to engage with uh, this part of his past. Uh, mm-hmm. And also a way to call back to uh, the Gua world as being the bad guys. Uh, right. So that's kind of cheesy and whatnot. Uh, but it's just, like you said, it's a good, good story that just takes you from point A to point B to point C to point D. And mm-hmm. if you're getting it from the sound of my voice, if there is any single big complaint I have of this episode, it's that <laughs> it's just really slow. Yeah, it definitely so i watched it 
last night, um, I have had a very, very, very busy several weeks. So it happened to kind of click into the level of energy that I already had. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was I didn't realize this until now, as you were saying it, that I'm a little thankful that it was as slow as it was, because that was about as fast of a pace as I could handle. (laughs) But (laughs) But, <laughs> yep. but that's not exactly a compliment. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There was it's just it, a slow it, story. Yeah, and that might be why I noted a couple. You know, one of the things that I thought was not the best about it: it, it the emotion aspect did feel forced. Um, and maybe I mean to say that the acting around those emotional moments felt. Um, like people were really, you know, trying to earn the paycheck that they were about to get for mm-hmm, the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, maybe that's an artifact of like, you know, this thing was moving and developing so slow. Yeah. Because there was an awful lot of time spent, uh, you know, between Jack and Sarah on a park bench, um, or, uh, you know, on a, uh, in the kitchen or, you know what I mean? Like, and it makes sense. Well, you know what it is. So earlier before, I think before we started recording, I think I mentioned to you, Zach, that it, you know, it it kind of felt like a radio play where the majority of the, of, of what was happening, the majority of the stuff that we care about was actually being contained within these conversations. Uh, it, it wasn't the, you know, the things that we cared about in this episode had nothing to do with, uh, with things that go boom or with, uh, with, with bad people with knives or with, um, you know, battles on a hillside or Mm -hmm. any Mm -hmm. of that. It was the, the emotional development of a character and you know, that's, that's best explored through conversation. Hence, like, you know, a person could almost watch this episode with their eyes closed and not miss much, if anything. In, in full disclosure, Brent, and I mentioned this to you earlier, uh, I basically did that. So uh, I, I had to uh, <laughs> take a, a trip in the, I had to drive someplace in the car uh, uh, this morning for my work. Uh, and so I put on uh, this episode and basically listened to it. Uh, I wasn't able to watch much of it at all because I was driving. Be safe, kids. Because be safe. Don't do but what yeah. I do. No, what, <laughs> do what I say. Not what I do. But yeah. <laughs> but right. But you know, I really didn't miss much. Um, you know, you, you, I suppose if if you don't watch this episode, you'll miss some of those flashbacks. And whatnot, but most of those flashbacks really aren't what drives the story. Right, uh, right. They, yeah. So, but, okay, I got a couple of things that, that, that I want to talk about. Um, sure. Uh, lighten things up a little bit. We're getting a little bit plotty here. Uh, a little, little so, heavy. So, uh, you remember that scene where, where Teal'c is watching the television uh, this yes. is just after he's like, O'Neill, take me and let me see your world. And O'Neill's like, this is Crystal Jack. No, I'm not going to do that. And Teal's like, Crystal Jack. Okay, fine. Another time. So, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so he's in there watching. And then uh, uh, Carter and, and Jackson come in and says, Teal, we need you to uh, come with us to the gate room and, and get your staff. And he's like, your world is strange. And, yeah. and I love Jackson's response. So is yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I like that as well. Yeah. 
Um, Although the and slight criticism ish slight ish criticism uh you know i think that well okay i should check myself before i wreck myself um that that particular scene definitely felt like an add-in and it's fine we still have to keep moving forward the idea that uh tealk is from another world and you know you have to if you know if if you are a casual viewer you might need to be reminded of that but still like, yeah, but I mean, you know, on the other hand, you know, he did ask to see his world, and he couldn't see the world. It's true. And, and it's true. Uh, um, so, what's the next best thing? You watch television. You watch some TV, right? Skynet, Skynet, and then and then when you do get to go out into the world, did Teal'c? Oh shoot, I can't remember. Did Teal'c join? The away team. You like how yes, I just keep did. using Star yeah, Trek terms all over the place. So that was his first time out and uh, out and about, huh? Uh, yeah, I yeah, guess that would have been his first time out. And, and uh, his first Chicago time out and about. Cat. Oh, that's right! Oh my gosh, I forgot about that moment because because he's all like Chicago, home of the Blackhawks, the Bulls, and the White Sox. And I go, yeah, I literally say out loud, "Go White Sox!" And O'Neill goes, "Don't forget the Cubs." And I'm like, "You can totally forget the Cubs." And I'm like, but, well, uh, and I'm like. I don't care about baseball. What about the Bears? <laughs> and I was realizing that driving in this morning. I don't think he I don't think he mentioned the Bears. He didn't. And I'm like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> Let's be honest. Chicago. <laughs> baseball divides, football unites. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. So. Pretty much. Anyway, but I I thought that was funny because I'm a White Sox fan, as is evident by what I just got done saying. Um, and sure enough, that particular moment uh, written 20 years ago totally just like fit exactly like <laughs> it just worked. And I had a great time with that moment. But you're right. So Teal was looking at the TV and he's like, look at all this death and destruction and rock and roll. <laughs> and, and, he, and then he finally gets to go on an away mission with his Chicago cap. And what does he get to do? He gets to go to a, a hospital that's exploding from the inside and is cordoned off by military and police. He's just like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is exactly what I saw. This, yeah. this makes sense to me. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Of course, he gets you're a whole there and he does nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's just he's just there for moral support. Because um, when I think of moral support, I think of Teal'c. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I've got a couple <laughs> more things I want to talk about. Uh huh. Sure. Um, so apparently, the SGC has just one locker room. Yeah. And I'm like, right? What? And uh, it's about to become the women's room, like, now, and then Jackson strolls in. Yeah! Yes! You noticed that, too? <laughs> I'm like, wait a yes. second. I mean, yeah. you know, the 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 storyline there and the conversation actually works very well between O'Neill and Carter, and then when Jackson comes in, and yes. that, it works wonderfully, but the setting just doesn't. It's like what that right right. I mean, it was it was okay. It would have been better if that line were dropped. That's another one of those moments of like you don't have to stick to the script, right? You know, right. you can go well, ahead and. But I mean, where what else are you going to do though? Because uh, you know, it is the locker room, and that's exactly where you would find O'Neill's cigar box of stuff. Yes, uh, and you want Carter in there. So how are you going to do that? Well, the only way you can do that is. To make it a shared locker room, but that just didn't work for it. I don't know. No. Find a different way of doing that. 
Well, and also hearkening back to BSG. Well, no. I was about to be like, in BSG, everybody's yeah, in the same locker. 10 years later. It's also, or or like hundreds of thousands of millions of years before. Uh oh. Yeah. Spoiler. Man. Spoiler. Sorry oh, yeah. for everybody. If you out haven't there seen who BSG, hadn't seen BSG. <laughs> I tell you what, if you're the person who's listening to this podcast and number one, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen Stargate, there's that there's that problem. If you have hey, seen oh, oh, wait, Stargate there just for a moment. OK, just because you haven't seen Stargate and you're listening to this podcast, that's not a problem. We are oh, walking true. with people through the Stargate. That's the fine, name of our fine, podcast. Fine. Brand. Yes, you're so right. You're if right. You are listening to this and haven't seen Stargate. Good on you. Watch it as we good, watch it. Good on you. And maybe if, what I'm trying to do is distance myself from the bad feelings of accidentally spoiling the ending of Battlestar Galactica. Although this isn't a show about Battlestar Galactica, but man, that ending. Oof. Woof. That, that's a pretty shocker ending. Woof. Um, and I won't spoil it. See, I think, we, I think we've reignited it. it. So if you haven't seen it, now all of a sudden, we're, now you're going to like binge it. Now Although, you're going to totally binge this. To be, to be fair, um, Stargate, or not Stargate, Battlestar Galactica did end like 10 years ago. So uh, if you haven't seen it by now and yeah. we're spoiling it, that's on you. Yeah. That is on. That's you on know, you. You know, if I started talking about uh, the end of Infinity War, that would be something different. I'm not going to do that. Don't do that. Okay. So another so, thing. Uh, oh, go yeah. Ahead. I got. So I was realizing that. Uh, uh, oh no! Sorry, I'm looking at my own notes, going like, "Oh, I wanted to talk about that." And it, yeah, no, the locker room made me think of of Charlie, which made me think of a thing that I had to say about Charlie. But oh, okay. Well, if you it's want to talk about Charlie, you go right ahead. Yeah, it's, there's two things about Charlie. So I mentioned that I kind of was jamming on this emotional stuff, and especially because of the child element. I, like I said, I was susceptible to the hook, and then I got critical of what people were doing. Um, uh, like, for example, number one, uh, I was about to... Be- At first, I was very critical of Crystal Jack's bold move to suddenly show dead Charlie to Jack, real Jack. Um, you know, reincar no, not even reincarnated. Uh, uh, zombie, zombie Charlie into Charlie's Charlie. Yeah, I mean, like so. I, thing, so, yeah. so this is this is where it's coming from. You know, like may I never have to experience this in the event that I lose a child. I am not certain I would appreciate some creature uh, bringing that child back like that. Like, that was a pretty hard no for me. Um, But I I was kids. Oh, go ahead. Finish mm -hmm. your finish. I was willing to give it a pass because Crystal Jack effectively saw in the mind of Jack. And this was the thought that I had this morning driving in on my wonderful commute with some construction. Um, I was realizing that, okay, I can definitely spin it that Crystal Jack actually knew that Jack wished to see his son one more time. Like, that's that's legit. That's yeah, that's real. It's not me, but it's it's legit. But then for um, what it at least within the pacing of the story, it appeared that O'Neill intended to show Sarah fake Charlie 
And that was that's where it's back to oh no 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 don't no and um you know I stand by that statement nobody knows what's inside Sarah's mind as far as wanting to see her son or not um you know it makes for good television ish it makes ish for good television um to have this reunion this little touching reunion but um i can absolutely see an argument that's that says look when you are when you are in the process of grieving and healing and accepting the loss suddenly having the kid back would just completely blow things up like it would not be welcome at all Uh, but uh that was that was me being a parent watching this show being hyper analytic so i'm completely willing to just admit this is me this is me this is weird me watching this show and having weird reactions but that was the thing right right i don't have any kids so i i can't speak of it on that one um when i watch this i kind of get swept up in that so that's really interesting the way you you talk about that one thing that popped into my head is uh, a nuts and bolts in universe thing um the stargate is a secret project within the military and now you can't help what crystal jack does and such but to march crystal charlie out there and then have a civilian uh that is to say sarah see this and that begs a whole lot of questions that you really really don't want to talk about in this secret organization Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, and again, well, so I think that this kind of gets back to um, that faint-ish praise that I was giving of it at the start, where like, yeah, it was emotional, and I go, and I liked it, and it and it showed some background of the character, and I liked that. Um, and then there was this like this just this patina of kind of uh, around the whole thing, which included like this real casual. Um, enforcement of of you know just about everything really I mean Crystal yeah. Jack fi- I mean maybe Crystal Jack was able to know how to correctly get off base but I can't imagine that such a secret organization would allow an individual to just like you know walk out through a crash bar well, like I you mean, know like on the no flip side, though, uh, you know Colonel Jack O'Neill is probably the closest thing to uh, the number two guy in the whole facility yeah. So if you're the number and, two guy and you want to walk out the base, you walk out the base. Yeah, yeah. That is that's a fair criticism, and we've already established that O'Neill is not exactly a stickler of protocol. And yet, the level of uh, security on this thing ought to be, in my head, so high that that would be unusual, right? That would be a little weird that the dude just kind of wandered off, right? Yeah. You know. Again, hypercritical or um, overanalyzing. Yeah. So, so there's one more little bit of uh, uh, odds and sods that I want to toss out there, um, mm-hmm. and then I'll turn the mic over to you and let you say whatever else you want to say. So, remember when O'Neill is coming back? Yeah, yeah, and and they're saying, uh, "Why isn't the iris closed?" And then the yeah. response is, "We have, you know, received an IDC signal." And yeah. I'm like, "But wait a second, the gate is still closed." How uh, the are you gate getting itself. a signal oh, through a closed man. gate? Oh. The gate opens a oh. moment later. 
What a what a lame error! Oh, boo! Yeah, I mean, boo! Uh, yeah, I, I just who wrote this? Who, who shot because, this thing? Because it's uh, directed it, it, Kenneth Girardi. This is why. This is why he gets two more episodes, but not for another eight years because he let that one <laughs> slip, and people were like, "I'm um, sorry, buddy." I mean, it was all right. You did an okay job. It was kind of tough material. You made it work, but. Uh, you gotta be a bit more respectful for the lore. You gotta make sure that iris is closed before you fire up the gate. Okay. All well, right. No, you, Try well, again, you gotta make sure that the gate is turned on and actually. Uh, now, part of it might not have been his fault per se because it's not like they were like uh, Chevron Severin locked and blah 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 blah. Yeah, sure. Uh, but but you do see a, a, a shot of the gate uh, that is not open and the iris is not uh, closed. Uh, yes. And and then you see, well, why isn't that? Um, and then you hear them talk about this and then you see the lights and the sure, sound right. and whatnot. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you, you could have fixed that easily. That was just yeah. a dumb mistake. Yeah. yeah. Um, it makes me laugh. It makes me go giggle, 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 giggle. Yeah. And so then I suppose that's also why then that they didn't initiate their legendary self-destruct sequence. Um, I was waiting for it. I mean, I knew from the tension of what was happening that this was an unauthorized opening of the gate. And I was waiting. I was waiting for Gen- for General, what's his face, Hammond? Um, Hammond. To, uh, to issue the command to self- start the self-destruct sequence and for, uh, for uh, Radar there to uh, implement that thing faithfully because that's what he does. Like, you know, yep, absolutely. <laughs> Click, click. We're all going to die in seven minutes. Yep. And I'm fine with yep. that. So we, we, we still don't have a name for him yet. Radar? Um, radar. Well, you're calling him Radar. <laughs> yeah, that's not his actual name. We don't know no. him yet. Uh, okay. Spoiler alert. We will find out what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Is it, it Radar? It is not Radar. <laughs> oh, nuts. Uh, so. Missed opportunity, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair Although, enough. what was Radar's first? I don't even know if I could even begin to fathom what oh, Radar's gosh. first name was. But I whatever, that would have been that would have been subtle. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. So same first name. We, we will figure out who that is, um, but we will see him regularly throughout the whole series. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, nice. Anything else that you got? Mm-hmm. Checking my notes. Oh, uh, real quick. I think that this episode was create. It feels like this episode was created for people who hadn't seen the movie. Uh, uh, there was a, there was a good amount. Right. Yeah, there was a good amount of explanation that wasn't even touched in the movie, but it certainly did feel like a whole like, OK, we got to reestablish that uh, O'Neill lost his son in this tragic way. So let's create an episode to fill people in if they hadn't seen the movie. I think also, though, on the flip side, I won't disagree with you, but uh also, this becomes a way for those who had seen the movie and saw that really, really dour O'Neill that Kurt Russell oh, played, uh, yeah. uh, find a way to say, hey, wait a second, this colonel has gone through some sort of healing process through this. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I think, I, think, I think it does two things there uh, for both audiences. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And and then sets this up to be part of his past, but not be something that is uh, so beholden of his past that he wants to, you know, commit suicide like he did in the movie. Right, right, um, right. Good point. Good so, point. But other than that, I got nothing else to add. All right. So that brings us to our ratings. Uh, so, Brent, 
out yeah. of seven chevrons, what would you give yeah. Cold Lazarus? I think this episode was fine. It was a little... Uh, you, you nailed it. It was slow. Um, it was a little cheesy. Uh, I took some umbrage with some specific choices made, but I, that's just because of where I am in life. Um, so I would call this pretty solid middle of the pack. I am going to give it a, a four out of seven uh, because I'm going to put it on the positive side of halfway because I'm a sucker for these uh, backstory episodes. There you go. So Brent gives it four out of seven, four out of seven chevrons. Me mm-hmm. on the other hand, what do I give it? I'm thinking here. So, um, this is one of those episodes that throughout the years of me seeing it, I have fluctuated. I've gone, you know, ooh, mm. I like this episode. Oh, it's so darn slow. I can't stand this episode. Uh, the single biggest problem with this episode is that it is its pacing is uh, uh, disgustingly slow. Yeah, um, but I like the story in it. I like the background stuff. I think that the 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 writing um, actually they're starting to get Sam Carter's voice. Uh, I think mm. uh, you know if if for no other reason than you didn't make any comments about her voice. Uh, ah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, you know, so there's a lot of good things about this. Um, I don't think they've got her voice quite per- perfect yet. But I think they're getting there. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this is better than simply middle of the road. I think I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give it four chevrons. Four. Yeah. It's a good, nice round number. It's just a smidge above halfway. Um, uh, it, It deserves to be. So if we had a scale of best episode ever or worst episode ever, I would have to go on the best episode ever, ever side. So, We'll give it the four. Okay. All right. I like that. All right. Obviously. Well, you gave it the same one, so. Yes. Great minds think alike. What can I say? All right. So, Brent, our next episode yes. is called The Knox. Mm-hmm. Tell me about The Knox. Hmm. I'm not so sure about The Knox. I don't know if it'll have a box. I can't tell if it involves my socks or maybe it (laughs) has to do with a fox. I do like that it has some flocks. And that, my friends, is why I snocks that this is an episode about the Knox. I don't don't know exactly where I was going with that one, especially because when I was first thinking about this, I was thinking about it in terms of like um, uh, uh, nitrous oxide of like this is going to be a story about uh, like a drag race ring in Tokyo that, uh, you know, that uh, sucks in the SG1 team somehow. Um, Oh, wait, no, it's going to be a drag race club in an off world place that looks like Tokyo. And, uh, uh, you know, there's going to be like the version of the Yakuza. There's going to be this like underground racing. And what's going to happen is that somebody is going to come in with the juice and our heroes are going to come just blasting through with a special quality of uh of hyperspeed it's just gonna be a fun raucous time it's gonna be rock and roll it's gonna be cars it's gonna be just good good old-fashioned fun Woo! so they're changing yeah. this from stargate sg1 to stargate tokyo drift 
Yes! Yes! <laughs> I would watch that show, man. <laughs> <laughs> a drag race on every world? That would be the best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Brent, shall we watch the promo and uh, see how close your Tokyo Drag Race is? Let's see here. So let me get to the spot. I always All kind right. of forget that this part comes up, and there we go. The no- Oh, wait Are a minute. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, here All we right. go. Ready? All right. Hit and go. Boom. Go. A mysterious planet hides a powerful secret. Where's the Stargate? But SG-1's enemy got there first. Are we seriously entertaining the idea of going after Apophis? On a world with more questions than answers. I think they're a family. Of what? An innocent family gets caught in the line of fire. You're not afraid. Well, nice. get afraid. But just who is saving who? There will be no more death. On the next Stargate SG-1. Huh. Uh-oh. Huh. Oh, somebody, somebody, somebody had a, somebody had a fire on their back. Oh, interesting. Oh, so we get to see Apophis back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All have right. You noticed that we have not seen any Gould since the pilot episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was noticing that. And um, I also noticed that we keep landing on worlds where the Gould haven't been in a thousand years. Yep. Well, yeah. here we meet Apophis again. And uh, we'll see back. what happens with the Knox. Uh-huh. So uh, our next episode is the Knox. We'll record that in about two weeks from today. Uh, yep. Brent will get this one uh, mixed up and, and gotten out to you as soon as he humanly can. Yeah. Uh, if you have any comments, any thoughts, any questions, if you think we're absolutely off our rockers, or if absolutely you agree with us awesome. 100%, yes. please write us an email. Tell us what you think. Mm-hmm. You can do that at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E nice at gmail.com yes and with that i think we're finished i think we're it i think this is it this was a good one uh that goodish a good one. one this was a goodish one goodish one. better <laughs> better than bad it's better than bad better it's law hog it's law hog it's big it's heavy it's wood okay i'm done and on that note yes <laughs> bye <laughs> all right see you guys later carter dial it up get these people home